0: What's up, guys? Welcome into your Sunday game day edition collaboration between all eyes on Cleveland with Brad Ward and myself, Jake Burns of OBR Film Breakdown. We have a fun one for you today. It's game day. It's week two. And we're going to hit you with all the pertinent information here in just a moment. First, welcoming in my co-host, Brad
1: Ward. What's up, Brad? What's happening, Jake? I'm excited. Uh, Brown's trying to go 2 oh, First time since 93, sir. That's uh, really exciting. Did they get to three uh, and I mean, have is anybody done three and zero research yet? I don't know. If, oh, I don't know if that's know. Uh, been done yet. I don't yet. think we I, got that far.
0: Let's not let's not get too far in front of ourselves. We're going to talk <laughs> through some important stuff around this game, including we'll start with the weather. So the weather is going to be eighty one degrees, a little partly cloudy action, no precipitation. So it's going to be a beautiful opener for you. And listen, some of you could be listening to this in the muni lot already at six a.m. Who knows? Some of you are camping overnight. I've seen some tweets out there about folks trying to get there.
1: That's I'm talking fantastic. 3,
0: 4 a.m. You love to see it. So that's going to be really fun. Hopefully the Muni lot takes care of it. So remember, you can't drink in the Muni lot, right? Yeah. Okay. Got it. All right. So <laughs> uh, other news and notes before the game here is um, coverage map. We always talk about this. Most of the country is going to get the New England and Pittsburgh game for the early portion, which, you know, God bless the rest of America, because that's uh, that's got a chance to be a really boring football game. But hmm. the largest portion of Ohio um, – I'm saying about 80% of Ohio is going to get uh, this Browns and Jets game outside of the Cincinnati, truly southern part of Ohio and up the eastern, far eastern side of Ohio is going to get the Pittsburgh-New uh, England game as well as a large majority of the country. And then it's the same group as last week. So you get Iron Eagle, Charles Davis. No, sorry, I screwed that up. Sparrow, Didis and Jay Feely. I was reading the very top. So the same group, literally same group as last week, including Aditi, I Kawala. I think I screw her name up on purpose. I just, it's the weirdest last name ever, Brad. I just try to mess it up uh, on, yeah. on purpose as, a, as almost a sort of little joke. So the, uh, the but key it, is to not great.
1: look at it. If you don't look at the name and just say Kinkawala, I think you're okay. But if you Kinkawala. look at it, it makes no sense.
0: Yeah, some of those letters in there just don't belong. Like, why are right. they in there? They don't belong. I don't know. But anyway, so we're moving forward. That's your information that's pertinent to coverage and TV and all of that stuff, which is, I, I, I like that group last week. It was fine. So that'll be a good one. The Browns are going to be wearing their brown top, white bottom again, same as last week. As we unveil the midfield logo, the elf, the modern elf, I think is is the way to look at this one. I, uh, so, Brad, like, are you team elf? Or are you not? Like, it seems like Miles was a uh, pretty lukewarm this week, but we're going to see this thing live and living color on our TV screens in just a few yeah. hours.
1: I I was actually surprised at how large it is. It's I massive. think more, it's it's way. I mean. Yeah i was not expecting that but like i'm i'm cool with elf i don't i'm not against it you know yeah. anything that our modell was like against and we're bringing back like you know get bent art right so yeah, uh cool that, that that's cool i'm i'm cool with that and uh yeah i don't know somebody was who referenced the ball security of the elf somebody <laughs> one strange. of the coaches that was yeah that's so, pretty funny yeah.
0: All right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting just to see it, what it looks like and kind of feel it. I mean, we it's been so long since there's been a midfield logo. So I think right. you get the helmets and the AFC North logos or just the AFC logo in the end zone with the Cleveland Browns, stuff going on there. So field should look sharp. It looks clean. uh should be fun. And and um, Joe Thomas goes into the Legends program. No, Joe's been in the Legends. No, he is going in the Legends program. He's already in the Ring of Honor. Yes. He's going into the Legends program, which... I don't totally know the difference. It's probably a higher up level of the of the Ring of Honor is the Legends program. The best of the best. They've already enshrined him into the stadium with little parts of things they've done, including his snap count history, 10,000, I think 378 or something along those lines. So they put that up, and he'll be in the Hall of Fame in a matter of a year. I think that'll be a pretty pumped up crowd next year for his Hall of Fame entry. Uh, yeah. that should It should happen. Um, And and it'll be just flooded with Northeast Ohio folks and some Wisconsin folks, too. So that's the big stuff. And there's two um, before we get into gambling lines. I think there's some some facial software recognition stuff going on. So you can get into if you're going to the game, you can get in easier with this if you haven't heard of it. But I imagine most of my parents are headed up to the game. So they referenced some of this, too. So, yeah. What insights do you have on that, Brad?
1: Uh, it's called uh, Enroll in the Free Browns Express Access Program presented by Root Insurance Uh, to First Energy Field. So this is pretty cool. Through touchless facial authentication technology powered by Wicket. I guess you just walk right in. Basically, they have AI uh, security. So, I, I mean, I guess you just kind of just walk in. Facial wreck? That's pretty wild, man. That I and mean, It'll it it help people get in, not wait in line. So I'm, I'm cool with that. Dude, the worst
0: thing about going into that stadium is the long waits to get in. So if they can alleviate that by allowing facial recognition software, whatever it takes to improve security, but also improve the amount of time people spend getting into the stadium, I'm all for it. Let's talk gambling lines. But before we do so, we're going to talk gambling lines, keys to victory right after this break.
2: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
0: All right, so this, looking at the line over-under is 39.5. To me, feels like a tricky line where you could get people to bet both sides of it, something where they're saying Cleveland's a 6.5-point favorite. Could you see the score being something like 24-13, 24-16, where it's just over on one side of it? So I definitely think 39.5 is a fun line to wager both sides of it. Personally, I think the 6.5 Cleveland's getting you can get it at six at some places. You can you can even get the line down to 39 at others. But six and a half is where the majority of oddsmakers seem to be putting it. feels a bit high to me. I'm nervous about ever laying six and a half points on Jacoby Brissett. Brad, do you agree or disagree with that?
1: Yeah, I agree. That's tough uh, to to pick a touchdown win here uh, and, you know, give up the six and a half. 39 and 39 and a half, whatever it is, either one. It's the lowest total by far in the NFL this week. Uh, which you can imagine. And I, I think what's so I mean, they're basically predicting a what, twenty three seventeen game, something like that. So, uh, right around there, twenty three sixteen game. Um, mm-hmm. so uh with the half point with the hook in there. So it's interesting. I don't know. I think it's an under probably. I i think I kind of feel it could go either way, but I feel like it's an under. I I don't know. We'll talk about it more in the keys of why, but uh it's it's an interesting line. I, I think I would probably go under before I would pick the the Brown spread. Yeah, I, I would think this is going
0: to be an incredibly frustrating game to watch. For those of you who love points from your football team, it's going to be frustrating because I think uh, the Jets play pretty good football on the defensive side. We'll talk about that. Like I said in just a second, some gambling lines that are worth noting. First time t- – touch, sorry, first touchdown scorer – Amari Cooper sitting there plus nine fifty. That's a spicy mm. number. I don't mind that number. Donovan Peoples Jones is on the other side of it at plus a thousand. Nick Chubbs the highest at plus four seventy. Amari Cooper, not plus nine fifty. I think that's a good little bet. Uh over under on some passing yards, uh touchdowns and, and the like for rushing and receiving. Jacoby Brissett's one ninety and a half. Joe Flacco two eighteen and a half. and a half. Joe's is higher because listen, he's through fifty nine times week one. So they're expecting some high volume again. Passing touchdowns one and a half for both guys. So they're saying, do you think a guy can get a second touchdown pass in there? Nick Chubb is up to eighty two and a half. I thought this number to me is much trickier than the first week, where I thought it was the Very. easiest bet in the world, based on how Carolina plays run defense. Then I'm like seventy two or something mm-hmm. like that. Very easy. Kareem's is thirty six and a half. I I still really like that number for Kareem. Michael Carter and Brees Hall. They have thirty-nine and a half and twenty-eight and a half, respectively. I don't know enough about those guys and how they played week one. I mean, those are low totals. I think they could probably get there, one of them. They abate. My guess in the is run, Carter. So. But yeah, you get them down early. They they truly do, as we saw uh the first week there. Uh, receiving yards, Nick Chubb over under eight and a half. One screen pass, Brad. You're out and yep. running. They gave him They'll one screen it. opportunity week one. This is yours, David and Joku, twenty six and a half. So this is FanDuel's odds. I I think that that would be one I'd I'd play too. And again, Kareem is 17 and a half. They put Kareem out on a lot of routes. In week one, he had a a screen that went for 20-something. He had a a touchdown up the left sideline they missed on. He was open in the flat on another one. They didn't
1: throw it to him. So listen, all backs and tight ends for the Browns, I'd be very interested in taking those lines, right? Yeah, especially with their corners. I I think backs and tight ends. Had that Hunt uh, over and and Njoku over, I like a lot.
0: Yeah, me too. I agree. On the other side, well, Amari Cooper's forty-four and a half. DPJ is forty and a half. I still need to see more from both of those guys. Yeah. And I mean, I think Amari had a lot of chances to get to that number. And I don't know if DPJ's targets were Week One, uh, you know, sort of a Week One force situation. We'll we'll see. I need more evidence. But those ultimately, all of those numbers feel low. I mean, they do. Co- Cooper catches two targets Week One that that were meant for big yards. That's an easy over, and DPJ got there with 11 targets, only six catches. So uh, on the other side, Michael Carter, the running back, and both running backs are the ton of targets for the Jets week one. He's at 18 and a half. Corey Davis, 41 and a half. 15 and a half for Elijah Moore, 16 and a half for Brees Hall. Unfortunately, no Garrett Wilson line on there. I would be uh, interested in that line. So,
1: Yeah, I think they, they limited his snaps for whatever reason week one. Mm-hmm. I think that goes out the window here week two.
0: First drive, I think the Browns script really well. So I would be like, if the Browns get it first drive, you obviously have to wait to make this wager until like right up until kickoff. But a touchdown is floor ninety. But a field goal attempt, not even a make. It doesn't say make. An attempt, plus 450. It's spicy, Brad. Like That's plus nice. Plus 450. That I'd is be interested spicy. In that. Okay. So that wraps up Jake and Brad's poor gambling advice. So take, take it for what it is. We basically told you nothing of real relevance, but we did at least uh, tip you off on some of the numbers if you haven't looked for those things yourself. But yeah, we're going to talk real quick now about our three keys uh, to victory. But before we do so, one more quick break. Word from our sponsors. You know, we have to get paid too. We'll be right back. Okay, three keys, Brad. So we'll do it like we did last week, back and forth. I'll shoot my first one. We'll discuss it. You go with your first one, discuss it. I just want to make sure everybody in uh, the audience knows our format. Okay? So (laughs) I will go first. I said backfield chaos, man. You made a great point off air about, what was it, 12 pressures, 11 pressures off the
1: left side alone
0: in week one? 12 off
1: the left side alone, yeah. That's
0: bananas. I I think they're starting George Fant over there. They've been moving people around. They've been beat up at the tackle positions. They got bad play out of Lake and Tomlinson in the first week. Bad play. So I think you got to get backfield chaos and drop seven. Can you get four? Can you have front four pressure while dropping seven? Because these wide receivers are talented. If Wilson's out there with Elijah Moore and Corey Davis, and then you mix in Tyler Conklin there when they go tight ends in 11, I don't know if Uzama's playing. It doesn't seem like he's going to. But if they go 12 and Uzama's out there, it's a a really talented group. So you need to put people into positions in the secondary to clog up some of the passing lanes. I don't want to make life easy on Joe Flacco. The beautiful part here is that you you seemingly – should be able to get some pressure with your front four. So a vital thing for me is looking at the end of this game, how many times they were able to create, generate pressure with only four pass rushers. That'll be vital. Brad, thoughts on that? And then we'll shift to your first one.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I I mean, this should be... They have been all over the place with their tackles, right? So... You know, they lost uh, their draft pick again, Becton, and then they Mm -hmm. brought in some uh, Dwayne Brown, and then he's out, and then they've been moving Fant from the right side to the left side, back to the left side, uh, and then they're starting this uh, Max Mitchell, is that his name? Yeah, rookie out of um, Louisiana, I think
0: is where he's out of. I was interested in him. I certainly wouldn't want him playing already, but I was interested in him.
1: Yeah, he wasn't the worst on that line. He actually probably played better than most of the guys in week one. So uh, this should be, you know, Brown's teeing off. They should get home with four all day, I would like to think. Yeah, should be. That's a huge part of it. Your first one, Brad. Yeah, I I think you got to stretch this defense. Like so the Browns are going to want to run the ball, but they have a very good run defense and they and they do a great job of rotating in defensive tackles as well. So, yeah, I think they held the Ravens' run defense to like 63 yards total or something like that, somewhere in the 60s there. Uh so they they do have a good front four um so you're and they're going to load the box so I think you got to stretch this defense but I would like to stretch it with tight ends and I would like to feature in Joku and try to get him the ball some more so that's my key get him the ball and use tight ends to stretch the field against these safeties uh their corner play is really good uh sauce Gardner DJ Reed combined to allow a 0.0 passer rating in week one when targeted those are their corners so now use the tight ends, um, and, and stretch the field, open up that box, and that'll help with that run game. I think that's that's my key number one.
0: Yeah, especially you know these corners, they're at least Sauce is young, and there's a potential in any moment when a young guy's out there for mistakes and recognition or whatever. You know that sure. could obviously happen. But based on what we saw from him in Week One, he made some. I mean, there was a there was an, a case of he's front side against a sorry backside against a nub tight end. That nub tight end disappears. He points out that delayed release, chip release, and then is able to get and run underneath a a deep over route from the backside and make a play without uh, drawing a flag. It was was beyond impressive for a rookie to do that. So I don't think that there should be um, a bunch of fear about that from him, but he could. Uh, I I think that between Reed and between Sauce, I think they, they definitely have a good group there. Can you challenge the slot? They played a bunch of different people. In the mm-hmm. slot in week one, um, you know, they have another Michael Carter on their team. They have two of these guys. Believe it or not, they duplicated them. This is Michael <laughs> yeah. Carter, too. Uh, um, you know, I think that's the second. I'm joking. Hopefully you guys got that one. But they played <laughs> Quan Alexander out in the slot. They played Jordan Whitehead, one of their safeties a lot, Quincy Williams. And then nine snaps from Lamarcus Marcus Joyner. I think they're, they're swimming a little bit past those top two corners. So can you run some 11 personnel, take advantage and get some plays created? I'd be interested in that. Seems like it's certainly plausible. So. Uh, I'd like to challenge them in that way to build off your point there. Cause that's a great one. My second one, Brad is Quentin Williams. Like, I think this guy, this guy's a problem. You know, he didn't he create is. his own sack. He didn't create a TFL, but man, he had, he led the group with three total hurries. He's a force. And, and listen, a lot of people like Tyler Linderbaum, this kid out of uh, Iowa drafted by Baltimore. The fear is he's undersized. He's got short arms. And Quentin was, a, he was just, he's a, he's a demon, man. The guy is a really, really good interior player. And I put some clips up of the OBR Film Breakdown Twitter account like he's a problem. So I don't want postage matchup with him one-on-one very often unless they're going to try to pressure you like crazy and bring more bodies that you need to alleviate. But uh, allowing your both of your guards to help out on him, to me, will be paramount because I don't want him creating havoc. And you can create havoc in the run game by throwing pullers off their course because you're pushing someone in the backfield or uh, you know creating two guys uh, at the point of attack uh, taking two guys in zone scheme when then your linebacker runs free and then you know in pass rush eating a double team and it allows the guy next to you to go free so he is a he's a problem um but i really would like to make sure he doesn't uh, sort of is his 91.9 pass grade in week one i would agree with that his pass rush grade like yeah. i just would try to do my best to not leave my my guys unless i'm leaving a guard with him one-on-one because i think those two are talented enough to handle that but he is um He's special, so I hope they have a plan for him. I'll be curious at watching it back what that plan was.
1: Yeah, agreed. They have to be aware of him from the start of the game. He's a good enough player that they need to be aware of where he is at and what they're how they're handling him on a down to down basis for sure. I would agree. Uh, number two for me, be opportunistic defensively. Like as we already mentioned, the twelve pressures on the left side. The Jets had some fumbles. They had some drops. Uh, They will make some mistakes, and the Browns have to take advantage of them. You can't let them go by the wayside. You can't let a fumble get away or a uh, drop an interception when Flacco throws one right in your lap. They have to collect those and take advantage of those uh, turnover opportunities and sack opportunities and things like that because they will be there in this game, in my opinion.
0: Couldn't agree more.
1: I, I mean, that's kind of piggybacking what mine is, which is it sounds so lame
0: but it's just kind of playing sound football. And like, what I mean is not defeating yourselves, not turning the football over because there's weird fumbles, not busting coverages, not having dumb roughing the passer penalties, like just playing. If they just play a clean football game where they don't beat themselves, I do not see the jets beating them. It might be more a, a bit tighter than you want it to be, But by sheer nature of, we have more talent, and we're going to be able to create problems for you in ways that are different from what you can do to us. They shouldn't have any trouble there. But again, if you fumble a couple times, you get a quarterback gets hit when he's throwing, throws an interception, you bust a coverage, miss a tackle in space on a screen. Like if that's the case, it anything any given Sunday, right? But I think if the game is played in a sound nature, and you just you not, I'm not asking you to go to above and beyond. I'm just asking you to do your job then the Browns should have no problem winning this football game. Ultimately, uh, I think it's going to be closer, and we'll talk about our final score thoughts in a second, but that that kind of piggybacks off yours, Brad, but I think it's a huge thing, and I know you're going to talk about coaching tree now because I think that's also just it's a funny little interesting note too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I wrote this up this week, but it's wild, right? And and, and Stefanski referenced it uh in a presser this week, he was like, "Yeah, so our defensive side of the ball, we kind of share DNA, right? So Woods worked with Sala in San Francisco, and they mm-hmm. both uh, come from you know the same concepts, core concepts, and a lot of that Seattle three that they ran in in uh, Seattle cover three that they ran in in San Francisco, and Woods brought here and deployed a little bit, and Sala runs it a lot, right? So um that's interesting, right? And uh, that goes all the way back. Sala goes all the way back to." Uh, Seattle with that with Legion of Boom so and then but he didn't mention that they do share DNA on the offensive side of the ball too so you're talking about LaFleur and Stefanski who also coaching tree wise can be tracked all the way back to the Shanahan's so uh interestingly enough and um Kubiak mixed in there twice too so you know Kubiak Shanahan it's all the same there you know you're talking wide zone you're talking uh, outside zone blocking schemes that that scheme they're they're running the same thing so both sides of the ball what they've been going against is probably you know at the core level what they're going to see on Sunday now That really probably brings down a lot, in my opinion, to preparation and uh, doing some things different, wrinkles off of using what they know and using wrinkles off of that. So the coaching battle, I think, plays a big part in this. When you're so familiar with what the other side wants to do or does at its core, um, then you need to be able to uh, differentiate from that when need be. And, And along with that, Jake, making adjustments throughout the game by seeing what they're doing differently. So coaching Agreed. battle i think plays a huge part in this one
0: it will it will i mean again you're talking about teaching a lot of things the same way hey i know joe teaches it this way this is the way right. this is a scheme that could give them trouble so it could be a game where there's some schemed up stuff that happens i hope not uh, i think the team that's able to eliminate that stuff will be the team that comes out on top but you're right to point this out like it is a it is a massive part of this game to to sort of be able to to outcoach the other one or just maybe not beat yourself in the yep. coaching battle uh, where you overthink it. So that'll be fascinating and we get to see Cade York kick in Cleveland's stadium where all opponents have never really had trouble. I think last year the opponents were 21 <laughs> of 22, but apparently every Browns kicker can never handle it. I think Cade will be fine. Don't panic though if he misses a kick. Life will go on. Remember, okay. everyone loved Evan McPherson last year, but he struggled for portions of the year, right? He uh had a game early in the year. Won in green bay last and he did struggle in week one and then he had that green bay game last year where him and mason crosby were trying to kick the game away and they couldn't figure it out so listen it'll ups and downs ebbs and flows so i'll be interested to see how he handles cleveland brad this was fun good show it's a big game home opener it'd be really cool to see the browns be able to win not only their first regular season game but also their first home opener in a while too so we're pumped about that for myself for brad All Eyes on Cleveland, OBR Film Breakdown, and those of us with uh, the, the Blue Wire Podcast Network, we appreciate your time. Have a great game day and game, and go Browns!